Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Life-changing events do happen. I mean, marriage changes everything. Children in a home changes everything. The loss of jobs, the negative things changes everything. But let me just share with you, a ministry that changes everything in my life has been short-term mission trips, Uh, new vision, appreciation. And uh, so God uses mission trips to really change people's lives, not only for those that they're sent to, but the people who are sent. This is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper, and today we're going to have an interview of uh, two individuals whose lives, let me say, were turned around because of short-term mission trips. Nathan, it changed my life. I think you could say the same thing concerning you and some of the trips you've gone on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I can look back in several different opportunities I've had to share the gospel, go on a mission trip for a short, short period of time. And there's been times where I was not mature enough to understand really what was going on and come back with still impacted, but that impact did not necessarily, it doesn't automatically lead to life change. But there have been times when the Lord was working in my life, uh, readying me, and definitely those experiences coming back from a short-term mission trip did I did say the trajectory of my life change. Yeah. Um, and so I think we can approach those from both perspectives. Are they biblical? That's a good question. Let me see. I believe Jesus uh, at the Great Commission now, he was telling them to go into all the world. But before that Great Commission, he had sent some apostles out two by two at different times. Yeah, he? they had um, – you could call it practice if you want to, but it was it was a real legitimate mission in and of itself. I remember in Matthew chapter 9, and then you can turn the page to Matthew chapter 10, Luke 9, Luke 10, uh, those places you see where, you know, there's a couple different, if you want to call them, short-term mission trips that Jesus would send the 12, uh, his, his disciples, out on. The first one was like the 12 would go out only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They're in the the Galilee region, and then they would come back and he would gather at least 70 others and send them all out again, same region, but this time with a larger focus, maybe even cross-culturally working with uh, Gentiles in the Galilee region. So Jesus utilized short-term missions to train uh, his followers. So one perspective is that we can see short-term mission trips benefiting those that participate, as it's really a part of discipleship in a way, to experience living a life on mission purposefully for God. Now, let's go a little further in the book of Acts. Uh, we find Paul being called out from the church at Antioch, he and Barnabas. 
it's funny, Barnabas and, and, and Saul was first sent out, as it says, and when they came back, it was Paul and Barnabas. It's, it's uh, switched there. But along the way, Paul would find individuals and ask them to join him for a certain period of time. I don't think I'm stretching the imagination to say that was kind of a short-term mission trip. Yeah, I mean, again, they would not have called it that at that time. It was basically, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, Paul, I'll follow you. We're both looking to Jesus. I'll follow you. Where are you going? And then, you know, he would maybe lay out a little bit of a plan, or he might would say, well, we're, we're following the Holy Spirit's lead in this. But Luke or uh, Silas or Timothy or whoever, I mean, you could— Quite a list. Yeah, it's a long list, uh, dozens yeah. of coworkers of Paul from time to time would travel with him from one place to another place, sometimes stay longer, get kind of left behind purposefully. Uh, sometimes go back home and you don't really read about them anymore. But we could kind of look at that and say that's a, a model or a type of a, what we would say a short-term mission trip might be. So why would we talk about that? It's because the individuals that we're going to interview, their life was turned around because of that. And let us suggest that you don't waste that opportunity in the summers or Christmas breaks. You, uh, When you we were on staff together, you took the Christmas break and went on some mission trips, right? That's right. And it was primarily, like I said, for disciple-making, discipleship among the believers that we were going on the trip with, our team. We were being discipled. God would use those experiences to grow us into Christ-likeness. But hopefully also at the same time, there was benefit to the places where we went and the believers there, they were strengthened. Churches were strengthened. Maybe even people that have not heard the gospel before got to hear the gospel and respond and follow Jesus for the first time. And so real quick, a list of three things just off the top of my head, advantages of going on a short-term mission trip. One, a short-term mission trip, can ex- ex- the experience of it will strengthen your own prayers. When you're praying for people or praying through things, the things you've seen, heard, maybe tasted and smelled and experienced, all those stay with you for your lifetime, the memories of it, and they will undergird your prayer life. So I think it will strengthen our prayers. Also, short-term mission trips can help us build relationships, maybe even global partnerships. And we find brothers and sisters on the other side of the world, maybe different country, different culture, different language, but uh, we're standing with them together and they're with us. Maybe a third one real quick is that short-term mission trips definitely help us get out of our comfort zone (laughs) and build Christ-like character into our lives. One of the mission trips I went on, the leader said, we're getting you out of your comfort zone, and how exciting. Well, we want you to listen to this interview and let God speak to you because he may use those experiences in your life to lead you into a field that you could never dream of, a great adventure. Today on Exploring Missions, we're excited about what God is doing in people's lives. But sometimes we zero in on one or two people or maybe a family that God is at work in such a way that you need to hear about it. And that is our guest today. And our guests are Robbie and Kimberly Crane. And uh, I've known them many years. And a matter of fact, one of the times I met them, they came to the conference that my wife, Janie, and I do called the Fishbowl Conference, where we just try to help people live their lives as believers. 
And with what's going on in the world today, that, that need is real, faithfulness in, in the home. And uh, so we're excited about having these guys. Robbie, welcome. Hey, it's good to be here, Brother Bert. Thank you for allowing us the privilege. Kimberly, thank you for coming. Thank you for having us. And we really do mean that. We're glad to have you. And let me share with you, you guys have been in ministry for many years. Tell us a little bit about your journey in ministry. Right. So um, I guess vocational ministry started in 1998. Um, We were, uh, well, I grew up in Tishomingo, Mississippi's home to me. Uh, Kimberly, she's from Orlando. We married in 1995. And it was about 1998 that the Lord called me into uh, to ministry, and almost uh, almost immediately that calling was uh, was was sure that I was called to preach the gospel, and I entered into ministry really quick as a youth pastor, and so that that began in 1998. So we're we're a little over 24 years now, heading, yeah. I guess going into 25 years. Of vocational ministry. I just got to ask, Tishomingo, Mississippi, if you don't know where that is, get your atlas out, get a microphone, a fine glass, and you can find it. And it's big compared to where I'm from. <laughs> it's a metropolis uh, compared right. to Wheeler. But yeah. how in the world does somebody get together with a lady from Orlando, Orlando, Florida, I guess, only one yes. I know. Yes. How, where did y'all meet? Well, my parents. Uh, my mother is from uh, the Tishomingo area, so okay. uh, grandmother had family here, would would come and visit uh, in okay. Tishomingo my whole life, and I wanted to move here. I, I didn't love the big city, and so... Yeah. Uh, well, you I got your prayers of, answered yeah. by moving away from the mm-hmm. big city. To, yeah, well, to for, for now, yeah, as for we talk now, later, we'll I, see. I, hey, yeah, what goes around comes around, <laughs> yeah. guys. Yes. Yeah. And so you started in youth ministry. I did. Oh, I did. wow. Yeah, uh, as I said, you know, when I was I was a, a really a new believer. Um, I, I've, I've been in church all my life. You know, my family brought me up in church. Of course, we're, you know, we are family. So. Yeah, we're, we're distant cousins, right. by the way, right. everybody listen. So we have a history. I've had, I've had a, quite a few of my family members on there. It's amazing what God has done with a bunch of people that you know, love right. the Lord. It's amazing. That's it. So, you know, my, my heritage has always been the gospel and has been in the church and as a family of believers. But uh, as a kid, you know, I, I did like a lot of kids do. I made a profession of faith because I knew my family wanted me to do that. But at that time, the Lord wasn't Lord of my life. I was still the, the God of my life. And, and I knew that until I was uh, about 24 years old. And I, Kim and I had already married, but um, I don't know. I'm, I guess the Lord just... Uh, Kept that from her because she was a believer, and uh, I, I did my best to pretend that I was. But God was really gracious, and I was saved at about 24 years old. And it was almost almost immediately or simultaneously that God called me to ministry at the same time. So it was a whirlwind. Well, see, when you're when you're brought up in the church, you have more background Absolutely. than you think, and you absorbed things within your mind, and it needed to have a transfer. I did. My, real, my, yeah. my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, yeah. you know, the, the heritage was there. There was a lot uh, a lot of seeds that were already there. So when the gospel really took root, it, it, it was able to spring up quickly, yeah. I guess is the best way I could say it. So, yeah, so it was almost immediately that I began in serving in youth ministry. I had a great pastor. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. He was my pastor, my mentor. Who was that? Billy Burge. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just, nope. a, just a great man. Yeah. I love him. He was just a dear brother. And he, Aren't he, uh, we standing on the shoulders of people in our lives? Absolutely. I, I realize that every 
every day. Absolutely. Really Absolutely. Well, Kimberly, tell us a little about your journey to Christ. Uh, yeah, so I was um, raised in the church also, but uh, I was saved at a very young age, um, just uh, through the Sunday school class and the lesson one day, and um, just a, a dear teacher, Miss Davis, that was just teaching our little kindergarten Sunday school class, <laughs> and uh, and I yeah. expressed that I wanted to to be saved, and um, and so that's you know I have you know, I've just grown yeah. up that way. Yeah, amen. So. <laughs> I haven't figured all that out yet. I, I mean, my wife Jan had such a tender heart. She was saved six years old, and I, I can't understand. I mean, I, my, at six years old, I had no comprehension of anything like no, that. No, me either. I, I, I really did not. And uh, so God. Aren't you glad he's patient with folks? Yes. Oh, so patient. <laughs> so long-suffering. So That's... if you're listening to today, God's patience is with you as well, but there is a time, uh, and you need to get right with the Lord and do it now if you're listening and you're not. But Youth Minute, I got to ask this. When he told you he felt like he was being called, did you respond Oh, I knew it already. Absolutely. I thought yes. I thought I remembered talking to y'all guys about that. Yes, when I was about thirteen years old, uh, my best friend, uh, her mother, Miss Spivey, she, um, they just you know, good Christian home. When I spent the night with her, we would get up at five a.m. to pray before her daddy went to work. I mean, we you know, and uh, her mother would spend time with us girls and tell us that we needed to be praying for our future husband. And uh, just through that time, I just felt like the Lord said that um, that I would be married to someone in ministry. Now, as time went on, and and I started dating and got married. Uh, as he said, he wasn't a believer, but, you know, he went to church. He did all the the church things. But um, at the same time, I should have paid more attention. You know, even as believers, we sometimes live for ourselves in areas. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> but then uh, after we got married, I, I remembered, you know, that the Lord had said that I would marry someone in ministry. And I was like, well, this isn't, you know, he's not headed to ministry. That's not, you know, his, his thing. And, uh, and I just prayed, Lord, you know, you be faithful, even though maybe I wasn't, you know, I didn't know at the time. I'm like, you know, did I not listen to you? What did I do? And um, it just, it wasn't, but a few months after that, that um, that Robbie told me that um, he had gotten saved. And not only that, but he felt called <laughs> to ministry and he didn't want to tell me for a while. He, uh, no, he was very scared, to, death, uh, scared to tell me because I had not shared with him that because I was scared yeah. to say that yeah, to him, If she would have told me she was supposed to marry a preacher, I would have probably been long gone at that time. But yeah, so God. I know how that is. Last thing I wanted to do was be a preacher. I yeah. stuttered. I was shy, backward. My br- older brother was a preacher, and I said, I, they'll think I'm copying him. Right. And I honestly did try to do as much as a college student can do to get out of it. Right. And uh, so some of us are reluctant leaders, aren't we? Yes. We really are. Absolutely. And God puts it on us. And even if we're not leaders, he equips us to become leaders, oh, he does. doesn't he, right? Yes, he does. Well, after youth ministry, tell us a little bit more now. So I started in youth ministry you know, in 1998, uh, and it was everything was just, it was a whirlwind, literally. I, I started as a bivocational youth minister, but but I was all in, you know, it Whatever that meant, all I knew is when I came to faith, it was yes, Lord. Yeah, yeah. That, that's all I knew to say. And no matter what it was, so even when I was a vocational youth pastor, and uh, but I, I was in it all the way. So it, God just really began to move. I went full time in that church uh, pretty rapidly, and after a season there, I just I really felt like God was calling me probably to be a pastor. When you're when you, I mean, teaching youth or teaching a group, does it 
it equips you. But oh, when no you doubt. know you have a desire to preach the yes. word to it, yeah, and to shepherd, you know, yes, that, that was does. my heart. I, yeah. I wanted to share. I was learning from my pastor, I and mean, he right. he was man. He poured so much into me, and I, I I opened up with him. I said, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like God wants me to pastor. He said, I've been I've been waiting on you to see that. <laughs> so it wasn't long after that, or about three years as a youth pastor. Then um, I transitioned into a role at, at another church as an associate pastor, okay. still doing youth work, but I was the associate pastor. And what that meant there, I took on the low, all, almost everything administratively, um, all oh, the wow. leadership areas, not the preaching and teaching every week, but but I would do that a lot as well. And I did that for about three years. Okay. And during that time, uh, the Lord opened the door to come back home to Tishomingo. Where, you know, again, this is home. We were in Alabama for a little while. I was in North Carolina for three years. And while we were there, um, our home church, Tishomingo Baptist Church, home, um, we, we felt like the Lord was telling us over, I don't know, just as we would pray and as we would seek Him, that He said, you're supposed to come back and pastor That's that That's unusual. Church. You know that. It was. I mean, uh, that church, uh, we were—I I, I came to faith. Well, actually, we were married in the church. She had—Kim had family in that church, and that's where our wedding was. And I came to faith there. I was baptized there. I was licensed and ordained to preach there. <laughs> I served there, not on staff, but I served there in all kind of teaching roles. And yeah. uh, about six years after that, the Lord called us back to pastor that church. And, uh, yeah, so that that was kind of our journey. Yeah. So in 2004, we moved back to Mississippi, Tishomingo, and I pastored that church for almost 13 years. And the Lord uh, started to move us out into some new areas. Well, let me just share this with you. My privilege was to become interim pastor yes. of Tishomingo Baptist yes, Church were. after Robbie uh, went on That's to the right. next ministry and his calling. And I, I just want to tell you, it was missional. And uh there's two or three things that makes up great churches. The Word of God and yes. Jesus Christ being presented and glorified. Uh, another is that of fellowship in Christ with one another Amen. and missional. Amen. When you have those three things in a church like, you know, you, yes. you've got a blessing. And, Absolutely. And the missional was there, and we were, Jan and I were excited to serve there for a short time following that, and it was a joy to do that. Well, let me, during this period of time, how did missions become a part mission trips or what was yeah. your journey there were missions and you would you know when we're called even though we're called to pastor no matter what it is there's a men, missional part of it absolutely it really is but when how did that come about right so you know i um of course we you know grow have grown up southern baptist so you know missions very mission minded but all you know it was predominantly through our giving and you know the corporate program and things like that which is good. I mean, I'm, right. I'm for that. Praise the Lord for that. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. But we didn't have, a, a, as a kid, I, I grew up at a Baptist church, but it was just a missionary Baptist church. So, you know, we didn't have a lot of connection to missionaries. And even as I came to faith and, and to be a, um, a minister, didn't have a lot of connection to missions. But while we were in Alabama serving as a youth pastor, there was a World Missions Conference. You remember those? Yeah, we, I sure do. We quit doing those several years ago. And I think we've suffered. I agree because with you, of man. That. We got to... It showed the world to, yes. to people. So it was my first encounter with, with missionaries from all over the world coming off the field. Of course, our church hosted some of them, but I'll never forget it. And I still emailed this man. There was a man from Taiwan and his family. And I've still got the card that he gave me that day. And that was in 1999, probably. And just a little uh, paperweight on my desk. I don't know why. All I, could, all I can say is I was, uh, I was captivated 
by what he was doing and why they were doing it. Right. So I, I, would, I, would, I would keep his picture. I would keep that on my desk, but still no connection to actually getting involved in mission. But and, a seed. Uh, yeah, the seed was planted. The seed was planted. So in, uh, it was really 2006, after I had become a senior pastor, I uh, was invited by a good friend of mine, Jesse Massey. Yeah. Uh, just a man. He's just a great guy, good, godly man. He was pastoring a church in our association, and he asked me, uh, hey, we're taking a mission trip to Mexico. You know, uh, overseas, right? That's a, <laughs> I, we'll call it inter- south of the border, that's anyway. Right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, across the river. But um, that was my first e- exposure to actually putting my feet in my hands and my eyes, my ears, my life. You know, in another cultural context. Two thousand and six, and of course, I said yes because I knew just what you said. As pastors, we know there is the missional connection, and I thought I need to get my and I, I need to put my hands and feet on it, yeah. and uh, to help the church. And when I went, I'll I'll never forget when I went, just God, I I wouldn't say broke my heart, but I would say burdened my heart for the cultures outside of my culture that the gospel must be preached. Well, when you look at the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, yes, that's part of what the book of Acts is, is Absolutely. doing, overcoming cultural differences. That's right. From from the Jew to the Gentile. The yes. Sumer- I mean, the whole idea. And, um, you and, know, and in, the certain ci- yeah, in certain cities, the culture differences are already there. Right. But in a rural setting like Tishomingo, yes. uh, the, you know, you don't, you don't. And so when you when this happened and you came back, was there any connection? Did you go on that first yes, trip? Yes, I did. She did. So you were doing it together. Uh, don't have a lot of time, about five more minutes sure. in this interview, but uh, did y'all both talk about it when you get home? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we did. We saw and felt the same thing, that God was uh, was preparing something. That, that's all we could say in 2006. And, and I know that was just right across the border. We, you know, we, we out of Brownsville, Texas, we drove across. But God put a seed in our hearts at that time that this is where the church has got to be. And I'm talking about taking the gospel to other cultures, other places, uh, making disciples to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And that that happened in '06, um, as and it was about 2008 or nine, somewhere in that range, before we took our next trip. Where was it to? Do you it remember? It was Costa Rica. Oh wow! Yeah, it was a little uh, further south now. A little bit further. That's right. <laughs> beautiful country, it though, was. from what I hear. It, oh, it's a beautiful yeah. place, and I think it was there probably that where more than a seed was was planted, but growth began to come to see. You know, the gospel must be preached to the ends of the earth. And, yes, I know the gospel was there in the area we were, but God was putting in our heart at that time the need to advance his kingdom to all nations. You know, I I have struggled as pastor. I struggled with need. Where's the greatest need? And if we're not careful, we will put a lot of money into areas where the gospel is already— Yes. You know, being Absolutely. shared strongly, and if we're not careful, we'll forget that that is more rigid, more difficult to get to because yes. usually it costs more money. It Did does. y'all notice that? It does. Well, that's what happened, you know, with us. That, that's something we began to see early on that um, the gospel was there. But I think what God was doing in our hearts and in our lives at that time was showing us the need where the gospel is not right. to, to establish it. But he used those, and that's one thing I want to encourage the church Take those short-term mission trips, those easier access places. Get your people 
yeah. hands and feet on it, get get their lives in a different culture because God will use that, I believe, to speak to their hearts. I do too, Robbie. And when we went to Costa Rica, um, it was, you know, a little easier trip. We knew that kind of thing, and we did that to take our children. Yes. We have two children, and they were 11 and 12 then, mm-hmm. something like that. And uh, and so we wanted we wanted them to grow up with that in their DNA, you know. Yes. And, but at the same time, every time we went – we would pray, Lord, is this something you have for us? Do we need to look somewhere else? And he would just burden our heart more and more for back home. Yeah. And uh, I've so got to ask this because this happens a lot. If only God had burdened one of you, mm. that's that's a difficulty, isn't it? It would have to be. You yeah. have to. You someone has to give somewhere away you know yes which which one do we go with and yeah i was I, I, I i'm so grateful that god gave us a, a oneness of heart and mind not only just in our marriage but in our ministry you know we we see Isn't the same a blessing thing. it is because i've worked with many men and, and you know i've seen women at the same time that the spouse doesn't see it or, or don't want to do yeah. it and it's a it's a struggle it is yeah and, Okay, one more thing for a break, and because uh, what we're going to do, we're going to end by where God is leading you now. So if you're listening this weekend, uh, part two is going to be taking place, and we're going to continue this conversation, but it's going to be about a place that God is sending them to and getting them ready for that we're excited about. But one thing you did, you took your two children. Oh, yes. Tell us also, Nathan and I really talk a lot about this, the value of family missional trips. You, There is no no exchange for that. There, There's nothing. You can't put a price tag on that. What that did in our family, our children, mm-hmm. as Kim said, DNA. Mm-hmm. It put a DNA in our kids to not only hear about missions, not only hear about the whys, but actually do it. And it has served uh, – dividends beyond measure but both of our kids are on mission today both of them our daughter she's been in toledo ohio serving her and her husband are back here in mississippi now still serving our son's in mobile alabama lives on mission every day of his life with a with a ministry there well in southern alabama they need it i mean no for you that are in alabama that's that's just your sister state mississippi speaking isn't it that's right yeah yeah but that our kids are doing what they're doing i believe obviously because we've prayed and put the gospel in them but because we put them in context and cultures to where to them it's normal. Yep. That's the thing I would say. It's normal, normal. to them, yes. not abnormal. Yep. Well, again, we're talking to Robbie and Kimberly Crane, and they're ready to launch out into a new ministry that God has called them to and equipped them for. Tell us in about two minutes a little bit about what people need to know, where you're, where God is going, and then next week we're going to look at what all will be involved. But where are you guys going? All right, I will say this. I, I, to, to piggyback earlier when I said I pastored for almost 13 years, uh, the Lord called us out. All we knew was he said it's time to go somewhere else, and we assumed at that time it was going to be the foreign mission field. We began to ready ourselves, but the Lord put us in a, a associational director of missions position for the last five years. But during that time, he connected us to a, a place in Senegal, Africa. Okay, you got to get your globe out, yep. and you can look at it. It's 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 there. It's not that big as some of those countries, but right. you can find it, it's, can't you? It's as far away. If you look at the continent of Africa, it's as far 
far west Africa as you can get. And the city of Dakar, where, where we're going to be uh, living, is the most western tip of the continent of Africa. So if you zoom in on that western ball over there, there's a little triangle that juts out in the ocean, and it's the most western tip of Africa. That's where we're and, and next week, you're going to hear about what they'll be doing, hear a little bit about Senegal itself, and we're so excited. And I, I just want to thank you guys for being with us today. Hey, thank, thank you. you. Thank and you for having us. it is exciting to see God at work in people's lives progressively. Yes. You know? Amen. And uh, it's it's a step at a time, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. And we're going to listen to them next week as as they will continue their story. So you want to make sure you hit it and, and make sure that you can tune in. If not, you can go to the podcast, Exploring Missions, and you can find out that information. And thank you again for listening to Exploring Missions here on AFR. Mm-hmm.